Hey there, Cardinal families. This is Dave Hargadon here with Cardinal Cast, local podcast put on by Woodland Christian School. And uh, for those that listen to us, you know that this is really about uh, being able to provide school families with a little more detail about uh, the inner workings of the school, the inner workings of staff, getting to know people about education and community, and in this case, also uh, touching base with alumni. And so uh, we're blessed and, and grateful to have James Morgan here uh, with us today on the podcast. So welcome, James. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, uh, James, uh, you know, our, our, our listenership, uh, some of them may not know who you are. And uh, so maybe we could just kind of like do a softball thing and say, like, when did you graduate from uh, Woodland Christian School and kind of walk us through like uh, post-graduation to kind of bring us up to date with what you're doing now? Okay. Um, yeah, I graduated in 2011, and uh, I went um, while well, I stayed home for summer. Uh, I can't remember which job I worked. I've, I've worked for multiple jobs under my parents' companies, and so they kind of all run together. Uh, but I really tried to enjoy that summer as just kind of my last summer being a kid. And then from there, I went to Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Okay. So way out in the boonies. I mean, nobody knows where it is. But it was a really great school. Is it off the grid? I mean, is it, you know, can we Google map that or is it? Yeah, like, you, you can know? find it on Google Maps, but it's pretty small still. Um, I believe the actual population without the students there is like 19,000. And then when the students are there, it's about 25,000. Wow. So it's a very small um, little town. And there's a lot of like kind of smaller towns around it that will make their trips there to go to the Walmart because Walmart's the biggest deal in Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was there originally as an English major, and I realized I was horrible at spelling and horrible at grammar, and I should never be teaching somebody's child how to spell or write proper sentences. Um, and I switched over to business. Um, I chose marketing because it was a pretty wide array of classes to take for business. It wasn't super specialized in one or the other, and I knew I would be terrible at accounting. So uh, I stuck with that and got out in five years. By the end of it, though, because I had started as an English major, I was a little bit behind in some of my uh, credits. So right. I changed to general studies with an emphasis in entrepreneurial management. Wow, very good. And, um, and so... Uh, what were some of the um, challenges you faced in college and what were some of the maybe the highlights of, you know, the things you go, man, that, that was a great, you know, some of the things you learn in college may not actually come from the, the school right. books. Uh, right. So uh, what, what were some of those things for you? Well, I think the, the first lesson I learned was really how to better manage myself. Um, hmm. I'm still not great at it, but I learned that it was something I need to focus on. You know, in high school, you have your parents waking you up, you have your parents making you food, and you have your parents basically doing a lot for you. That's not the case for everyone, but for me, that was. And so going off to college, it's like, man, I got to make sure I eat three meals a day. Um, and I got to make sure I get up for classes. I hardly did my freshman year. Actually, I got suspended because mm -hmm. of my attendance and poor grades. Um, but that actually taught me a really interesting lesson was, you know, even though I wasn't the greatest student, I always invested in my teachers and the faculty of the school, and I made a really close relationship with um, the vice president. And when it came to, he knew that there were some things going on in my life I just wasn't 
dealing with well. And he stood up for me and actually got to go back into the university without the suspension and uh, continue on. And I think that was really, um, that was probably the biggest lesson is just getting to know people and being 100% honest will get you farther in life than maybe excelling in one thing or the other. I mean, as long as people know who you are and know what you're about, they're more willing to take a chance on you. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, from my perspective, and I share this with a lot of kids and and any adults that want to listen, is that much of life revolves around relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have a a great degree. You can have uh, be a very smart person. uh, But if you can't carry a conversation, if you can't get to know someone, right. um, uh, it, it doesn't go very far. And, and especially if you get yourself into a pickle, uh, you know, not, I'm not saying you were in one, although it sounds like you were in one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Is that, you know, sometimes personal relationships and the way that you invest, you know, people are more likely to give you a, a chance or a second chance to, to uh, kind of redeem yourself. And right. It so- sounds like maybe that's what happened in your case. Yeah, it was. And it, uh, so I came back into the university and started to get involved in, theater, uh, which is something I'd done my whole life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I auditioned as kind of a nobody at the school and got uh, one of the lead roles in Pirates of Penzance as the Pirate King. And so it was a really overwhelming experience of going from, wow, I'm about to go home and get chewed out to, oh my goodness, I, I get to be such a big part of this university that I almost was booted out of. Right. And so that really led me to just involve myself more. I started playing rugby um, and doing, I did another play. Uh, this was probably my favorite memory was playing Shrek, which was, sounds like a weird play to do, but it's actually a beautiful musical. If you get a chance, I believe a recorded version from Broadway is still on Netflix. It's hysterical, it's heartwarming, the music's just incredible. Wow. So that was really cool you know, wearing a fat suit and getting the makeup and like a mask glued onto your face and, you know, getting to interact with kids after the show. A lot of people don't know this about Harding too, is it has one of the biggest uh, performing centers in the state as far as theater goes, actually a larger uh, stage than most Broadway um, theater houses. Wow. How uh, I think it fits about 4,000 people in there. So we do three shows and, you know, by the end of it, we did, we performed for 12,000 people. Wow. It's really cool. Uh, did you uh, uh, do any theater here at the school? Yeah, I did uh, two plays. Um, I can't remember the title of one. It was more of a compilation of small skits Yeah, uh, that was directed by Mr. Christofferson. And then we also did A Christmas Carol where I got to play Scrooge, which was really fun. Um, and I'd done musicals my whole life, so going straight to just like more dramatic plays was a little bit of a shift, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, wow. So you've done uh, acting and and theater outside of, you know. Yeah. I actually, I started when I was like nine and I played Tibia, the Wicked Witch of the West Servant in The Wizard of Oz, which I'm pretty sure is just a made up character. You know, they just wanted to get me in there for a little bit. I was also a tree. So it was a... My first acting experience was not very glorious. Yeah. uh, So... You know, you never know where these podcasts are going to go. But uh, you mentioned is tibia. Yeah, I might be able to confirm that because um, uh, growing up as a kid, I would spend uh, my summers in Maine, and uh, one of the things that we would do is we'd go into uh, part of our cabin where my grandmother was. Her name we called her Baba, 
And all the kids would go in there, and she would read Wizard of Oz stories. And she had the whole, there was a whole set of Wizard of Oz stories. Uh, I always thought, hey, there's only one Wizard of Oz, but there are actually a number of different books uh, in in the series of Wizard of Oz. I never knew that. Yeah, and so Tibia may actually, you know, it may be an actual real character. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we can validate that later. I will have to Google it. In fact, Travis right now is on Google probably looking yeah. up whether or not that's that's true. Well, we can just, even if it's not true, we can just pretend it yeah, is yeah, so I feel yeah, a little bit better. Yeah. All right, so we yeah. can kind of get into theater right now and, <laughs> and, and just go with it. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. So... Um, so, uh, theater is, so you, you did theater and, and you go, uh, to Hardin and you play these parts. Um, what are some, uh, I've often told kids, uh, that one of the best things that I ever did in my life was I took two classes in college. One was rhetoric, uh, mm-hmm. which is public speaking. And the other one was drama 101. And um, partly because I think it helps you to become more comfortable speaking in front of people. Right. And um, what are some of the lessons you've learned doing theater? You know, I think uh, I think theater itself is just such a unique beast because, you know, you learn to empathize really well. And so mm. when I was going through... Um, some of the toughest points of my life actually occurred in college, which was incredible because I was surrounded by great people. Um, but I was going dealing with the loss of a friend at the time of doing Shrek, and I was really able to kind of channel that feeling of isolation and loneliness and frustration and anger into a productive outlet. And um, it really just kind of allowed me to more emotionally empathize with the character. Because what people don't realize about empathy is it's not saying, oh, I know how you feel. It's maybe I haven't been through your experience, but I have things that cause me similar pain. And so I can see where we have common ground. Mm. Um, And so that's something that theater teaches you really well, because to do a, a compelling performance, you have to actually feel what the character's feeling, whether that's joy or sadness or frustration or happiness and, and, and everything in between. Right. Um, and it also really teaches you to not take yourself seriously because you have to be silly sometimes. You have to be bigger than yourself sometimes. And, you know, it's funny because when you're rehearsing and stuff, there's a lot of people who are super funny and they're really talented, but when it comes to acting, they don't know how to move their bodies big enough. And it just comes from this kind of fear of being too much. But what theater has taught me is it's a lot better to rein someone in than to try and pull stuff out of them. And yeah, so right. when you're, you know, when you're an employee, it's much better for you to be a go-getter and somebody who's asking a ton of questions and who's being very proactive instead of reactive, because it's much better for the employer to say, hey, you know, I can handle this, but thank you for your input, rather than looking at you as lazy because you're afraid. Yeah, right. So yeah. people appreciate when you're kind of going above and beyond consistently. Yeah, right. So maybe we uh, transition a little bit, and uh, we hear you are opening up a, a coffee shop in Woodland. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, about that. Okay, so... Um, You know, when I was getting close to graduating, I was just not really sure what I wanted to do. There was some opportunity to pursue some corporate jobs. I had some really good connections through Harding. Um, But I kind of hit this point where I realized I really want to do something that puts me in charge enough to say, 
enough is enough. Family comes first today, or God comes first today in, you know, the order of the schedule. And I realized that in a lot of professions, it's really hard to prioritize those things in your life. And so an opportunity was presented to me for my mom because she knew I was kind of feeling that way. And she, she said, we have this building that we wanted to put something in. They wanted to put a wine bar. And she said, if you take your money and invest, we'll let you uh, use this facility rent-free until you're up and running. So it was a really big opportunity because I'm not having to pay rent until I'm actually starting to make sales, which is right. huge. But two, it was um, to be involved in the family business. And right. there's a, a deep wealth of knowledge in Yolo Eats. Yolo Eats is the umbrella company over Morgan's on Main and Maria's Cantina. And so when I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, um, I, I remembered I'd always kind of wanted to open a coffee shop. I wanted to actually work for Dutch Brothers and then branch it out to Arkansas because I thought there's nothing like it there. It's a bunch of college kids in Searcy, Arkansas with nothing better to do. It would make a killing. Right. And I talked to one of my friend's dads in Arkansas uh, three years ago about that idea. And he said, why don't you just open your own thing? Because when you're going through someone else, you have to follow all their rules. Yeah, you don't right. get to make it your own. And at that point in time, I was like, meh, that's just too much work. Um, but when the opportunity came, I thought, man, this is perfect because I can have a space where I can really bring who I am into something and make it its, its own entity, make it its, its own separate place and provide a really unique uh, setting for the community that I grew up in, the community that I love. Right. So it quickly turned from coffee to, okay, we got to serve some food. Uh, so we decided to do like a complete waffle-based menu. So we're working on getting like six different waffle recipes that are really interesting and unique. One of the ones that I'm trying to figure out the logistics of is uh, getting green apples into the batter and then putting a honeycomb and some kind of like fancy cheese on top, um, which sounds like a weird combination. But really the only difference between that and, you know, crackers and cheese is it's the waffle. Right. Um, and so doing things like that and kind of being, you know, experimenting with that is really exciting. And it, I mean, it's been quite the process of learning. Yeah. So tell me about what, what kind of things have you learned trying to open up your own business? You know, I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to never put your phone on silent. <laughs> uh, the only time you can do that is at a funeral or at church. Because I took a 20-minute nap today and woke up to three missed calls and three voicemails and four text messages. So it was a little bit of a, I used to be someone who would just ignore calls. I would only answer the phone if you were a cute girl I was interested in. Right. Uh, but now it's like any sort of 916 number that I don't know, I'm answering in the first two rings. Um, and also, you know, I think another huge thing that I've had to learn is how to be assertive. Um, I've never had a problem putting myself out there, but it's really hard to say no. Um, even when you're confident enough to put yourself out there because disappointing people, you're, you're worried about that. Um, but realizing that business isn't personal. Hmm. Um, and while I strive to make it a little bit more personal and, uh, you know, I've, uh, kind of done some things and setting up of this branch of Yolo Eats to make it a little different, um, really business, you kind of have to check your emotions at the door. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, again, the biggest, uh, actually probably the most important lesson is don't listen to the naysayers. Mm. I've had a lot of people tell me like, oh, you're not going to make those sales numbers. Oh, you're not going to do this. Like, what if it fails? Restaurants in Woodland don't make it. You know, you don't have the clientele. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And it's like, it got really overwhelming because right. I was listening to them. Right. But then I realized that the people who end up making the biggest impact on the world and, and changing the world and being the outlier are the people who don't listen to those people and believe in themselves and their partners enough to just take a chance. Yeah, right. And, you know, one of the greatest lessons I learned from uh, entrepreneurial management is every great entrepreneur has failed. And yeah, what has right. separated them is they accept the failure and learn from it and move forward. Yeah, so right. for me, it's like, I'm not going to fail. But if I do, <laughs> it's still a success in a lot of ways because I tried something. Yeah, right. And uh, I think there's, I mean, truth to that. Uh, although I've not, <clears throat> you know, opened up a business like this, uh, right. you know, on my own is I've seen this at the school uh, to a certain extent is that sometimes uh, there are risks that need to be taken. And you certainly uh, you don't want to be risky in the sense of, you know, people's education or, you know, right. making risky decisions. But um, if you believe in something and you and uh, you really you know prayed over it and you think, man, this is really where we need to go uh, and I think it'll be successful. Hey, let's take a shot. Yeah. And uh, I told a group uh, today that, you know, uh, hey, I'm going to own this decision. And if I, if if it doesn't work, mm -hmm. I'm going to. It'll be on me, and, yeah. And I'll learn from it, and we'll grow from it. But yeah. hey, let's 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 get it on and let's see what happens. Well, and I think a lot of business principles really tie into Christian principles as well, and things that I grew up learning my whole life of like take ownership of your responsive uh, of your actions and take responsibility for the ramifications of your actions that you didn't directly foresee, um, because you know there's a it's kind of the ripple effect. So there's yeah, right. going to be a lot of things that come from every action you make. Right, right. So. Hey, um, uh, some people may not know this about okay. you, although I think most people do. But yeah. uh, some people may not know that music uh, plays a pretty, uh, what it seems to me to be a significant role in your life. Um, right. Is performing and recording uh, like uh, kind of the end game? You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things if, is if it happens... I will go with it 100%. Um, but it was, you know, I thought about moving to Nashville uh, after college. But again, it came down to what do I want in life? Yeah. Do I want to spend my time pursuing something that takes away my biggest dream, which is to have a family and, and raise them in the church? Um, it, it would make it harder. And, and I remember my guitar mm -hmm. professor, he was offered a ton of contracts. And he always turned him down. And when I was in college, I was like, why'd you do that? That'd be so awesome. That'd be dope. Like, come on. Yeah, That's right. everyone's dream. And he goes, well, you know, I didn't want to be an absentee dad. Yeah. And so that really stuck with me um, because at the end of your life, it's like, you know, there's a lot more stress that goes along with fame and, and music and stuff. Um, and a little bit less reward with that than there is with a family. It's super stressful to raise kids and have a wife. I get that. But there's also so much more reward and the eternal reward uh, for doing so. Yeah, right. 
And but you do some like local gigs, right? Like yeah. you'll sing at Morgan's or you yeah, know. I do. And I've been trying to get more involved with the community with that since I've been back. I had a band in Arkansas. We ironically named Hillary and the Clintons, and that was a lot of fun playing shows in, in kind of a band setting and playing some <laughs> rock music. You know, um, yeah. One of our members, we had to change our name because one of our members was pretty upset by it. He's he's a he's a Republican through and through, and so, oh, so we ended up switching him. to Dad. That was yeah. our final name. But uh, doing that here, it's been such a great pastime. And, and that's something I want to incorporate at the coffee shop is yeah. musicians oh, and good. my friends who play music coming. And then also I'd love to perform as the manager to kind of give it a little bit more personal touch. Yeah, wow. Know? That's uh, that's excellent. Um, when someone, uh, if you've ever attended a Woodland Christian School graduation, mm-hmm. uh You'll, you'll hear countless seniors give advice. We, we, we do this form. And what advice do you have for, you know, the underclassmen and and, uh, right. and uh, for both James and, and Travis who are, are, are listening to this? It's, uh, you'll, you'll hear about, you know, probably 90% of the responses will be something like, don't procrastinate, do your homework, <laughs> turn your homework in on time. And, uh, you know, things of that nature. So now that you've had a a number of years kind of uh, after graduating, I'd be curious to know kind of uh, what advice you would have for our students today. Like, so you've gone through Woodland Christian, you've been through college, you're about to start your own business. And so now you kind of of have a chance to look back and and maybe what advice would you give students that are going through school today? You know, uh, I think the first thing is just remember it's, just high school you know it it seems like the biggest deal at the time and every little thing seems so um huge but in a year it's not going to matter i remember i got dumped in 45 minutes in seventh grade and i thought i would never get over it and then in high school i was like not a big deal and then i went through some heartbreak in high school and now in college like not a big deal right so just putting those things in perspective and then also Hmm. um really invest in your teachers and your faculty because they are here not because they're trying to make a ton of money. They're not here for personal gain. They're here for you. And, and that is so unique in education and even more so unique at Woodland Christian. Hmm. Um, I mean, that has been the thing that has carried me when my burdens became too great for myself. Uh, it wasn't my grades. As important as grades are, Grades are not the things that are going to bring you comfort and wisdom and advice when you leave here or while you're going through something here. Right. Um, and that was really, that was a huge blessing to me as having people here who had been through it and cared enough to listen. Yeah, right, right. And so uh, what what kind of impact has Woodland Christian School had on you? And um and also maybe um, this is a gutsy question, but hey, we're going to go for it. Is uh, you know, did Woodland Christian School prepare you for for college? You know, and and you can feel free to answer how right. you, how you want. Well, um, I I feel as though my time at Woodland Christian was during a very uh, they were going through some growing pains, so there were some things that weren't exactly like the most well structured. But it was on its way, and I always knew that. Yeah. Um, and seeing it now is amazing. But Woodland Christian had an incredible impact on me. Had I gone anywhere else, I never would have had the chance to play football because um, mm. I was not athletic. But we needed the we needed the body, so <laughs> yeah. I was out there. And so I became more of an athlete because right. I was given that chance. And I got to be in theater. 
And Woodland Christian, maybe not the most, quote-unquote, academically competitive school in the nation, but your education really has a lot more to do with you as the individual, in my mind, um, because you can go to a, a really crummy school and still be a really bright person. It's about developing a hunger and thirst for knowledge. And I think Woodland Christian in, instilled that in me in a lot of ways. And that was the biggest thing that I was thankful for, is it wasn't just about the lessons. It was about teaching me to want to learn. And, you know, I, I really think back to Mrs. Shonden, who, mm. yeah, she had us do all the curriculum, but the deep thinking that she brought to the discussion and brought to lunch discussions was really more impactful and more beneficial to me than were I to have gone to, you know, some big name school. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, the the other place we'll go just uh, just because you you miss it in having a kind of a recorded session where no one can see what's uh, what's right. going on is. Uh, you and I are hooked up to mics, and then there's uh, Travis and Alex Minnie who are producing these uh, these podcasts, for which we're grateful, by the way. And I probably don't do enough to thank them for uh, their hard work. But you went to and graduated with Travis. Yes. Yeah, so uh, best uh, thing uh, playing football, or what, what was your best memory with, with Travis? Oh, man. I There was a lot of really great memories, but this one stuck out in my mind because – one time it was, uh, I was on the kickoff team and I blindsided Travis, who was on the kick return team in practice. And I felt so good because, like, you know, I'm a pretty small guy in comparison to most. And I mean, I just floored him. Uh, and, you know, and I get back up and I, we're about to do it again and we're kind of laughing. And then I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm going to do it again. Just give him a second time. <laughs> but he was waiting for me and he didn't even have to move. He just kind of like dug his shoulder like an inch. And I have never felt so much pain in my entire life. I was like leveled. It was, I almost did a complete flip. Yeah. And again, for those that don't know, James, I mean, you're, you're not a, a small person, uh, but you're, you're not as solid as Travis is yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, mass. And, and, uh, and then the other kind of cool thing uh, before we went uh, live with this, with this podcast is uh, you had a moment with Alex Minnie. Yeah, that and, was weird. And uh, so they, uh, I'll kind of describe this, but they sat down and they had this thing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. <laughs> and, and this actually shares a little bit about, I think, the uh, the unique part about Woodland Christian School. So obviously mm -hmm. I'm biased. I've, I, you know, I'm all in with the school, and uh, and I'm sure this happens at other schools. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, this is a very unique thing. Uh, how did you and Alex know each other? Uh, I was a TA in Natalie Smith's class. Um, I was doing research for my senior project, and Alex was seated in the class uh, this was in, he was in fifth, fifth grade. grade. Yeah. And he was my favorite because he was super funny and he was really diligent about his work, but he would also kind of make like some side comments to me, yeah. you know, me being 18 years old, I was like, huh, this kid's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so you were, uh, you were doing your senior project, uh, and, and basically investing in the lives of fifth graders. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and now you've kind of come full circle where you've come back. Yeah. And here's Alex doing these podcasts as a junior, and uh, who would have thought? No, I mean, it kind of blew my mind because I looked across and was like, 
okay, this guy's like gotta be in high school. I wonder if I've seen him before. And then it was like, oh my goodness, you know, just realizing that, like, I forget what puberty does to people, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, yeah. just he's, st- I still see little fifth grade Alex in there a little bit, but man, he's like an adult and it's kind of creeping me out. Yeah. <laughs> So very good. Hey, um, before we go, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your faith and church and how that's going for you. And, and again, this is yeah. kind of, you know, there's no uh, pretense here. You just. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I was born and raised Church of Christ, which yeah. is a very conservative uh, branch of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, if you're going chronologically, it's kind of the uh, quote unquote pinnacle of the Reformation movement from the Catholic Church. Took church history one and two. So, yeah, right. uh, but I going to a, at the time, within Christian was Baptist. Um, and the big issue that separates Church of Christ and Baptist is the issue of baptism. Baptism, yeah. Ironically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Church of Christ believe you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Baptists believe that it is more an outward expression. Yeah. And we used to have debates all the time. And going through with a Christian really expanded my view and hmm. made me realize that through all these denominations, there's so many more things that we share in common. And I remember somebody saying one of the biggest tools the devil uses is the division of denominations. Hmm. Um, and so that's why I've been really grateful for Cody Cannon and, and the work he's done to try and uh, unite the different denominations in just group events and extending the invitation. Yeah, right. Um, and so my faith was definitely shaped by Wilden Christian. And then in college, you know, I experienced some things that were very uh, challenging and challenging to put in perspective of, uh, you know, God being an all-powerful and all-loving God. Yeah. I, and I, I remember specifically a, a good good friend of mine, very good friend of mine, passing away. Um, and and going through that, and I remember asking my teacher, like, why, if God loved us, why would, why would he create mm. our lives and then let something like that happen? And then it went more so to me thinking about other people who of different religions. Like, why would he create people and know they weren't going to be Christians uh, if that means they're going to hell. And first my teacher stopped me because he could tell I was getting really irritated and yeah. upset. And he said, you know, we know what the Bible says, but it's not our place to determine who goes to hell. That's not your job. You don't know that. Yeah. And then he said something really profound and that really changed my entire view of God was, do you want kids? And I said, yeah, of course. He says, why do you want kids? And I said, because I want to love something with every fiber of my being. I want to experience true, pure love. And he says, do you think God is beyond that desire? And I said, no. And he said, when you think about having kids, you realize that you're bringing them into a world where they may run away, they may hate you, they may go against your will, they may die, and you may have to see that. So does that make you selfish for wanting to have kids? And it really changed my whole hmm. perspective yeah, right. of everything that happens in this world. There's so many things that, I mean, they just suck. Yeah. But it's like the risk is, is worth taking because for all the bad things we experience and the pain we feel, there's so much more love and joy and happiness and laughter and, and the love that God has for us is so pure and so big that he's willing to risk us running away from him 
And, and that to me is so beautiful. And the story of uh, this is, I mean, it's a little, sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but the story of um, where one son is really great and the other son is like, hey, give me my inheritance, and he leaves. Yeah. Uh, the prodigal son. And he leaves and he spends all his wealth and he's living with the pigs. I had somebody describe this to me. He said, you realize he was covered in pig poop, covered in it, because he's living with pigs. And he has no money, so he cannot pay for a shower. He cannot properly clean himself because he spent his entire wealth. So when he goes back home covered in pig poop and probably hadn't showered in at least a couple days, if not weeks, probably recovering from drinking too much and doing a lot of who knows what, his father didn't just welcome him in and say, hey, clean yourself up and then we'll have a party. He ran to him while he was covered in pig poop and embraced him. Mm. And he said, that's the kind of love God has for us. He loves us enough to come and meet us in our lowest of lows and embrace us yeah. and, and then remove those stains from us. And I, that is really kind of where my faith at is at this point. I, I don't have perfect church attendance and sometimes I get a little too busy to read my Bible, but um, learning and accepting the fact that I'm worthy yeah. of God's love no matter what I do. Because yeah. I think all of us look at our sins and we feel like they weigh so much and, oh my goodness, I got to pray for forgiveness a hundred times today or something. But it's like God doesn't ask us for that. He just asks us to trust in him and do our best. Yeah. And, and that's really the biggest advice I give to anyone listening to this and to high school students is give yourself a break yeah. and remember that we were all at your age at some time. And yeah. Jesus himself was your age. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we kind of bring this to a close, because it's, um, it's kind of that time is that, um, you know, the, the Christian walk is, you know, in some ways, you know, being a teenager is not always fun. Uh, you know, <laughs> imagine that. Uh, yeah. I can tell you being adults, sometimes not that fun. <laughs> uh, and raising kids sometimes, as much as I love my kids. Right sometimes not that fun. <laughs> yeah. And and then you compound that with the world that we live in today that is by any standard, uh, you know, you can go out in the world today and recognize that the world is not uh, the way um, it should be. Mm. And uh, But that's kind of the beauty of the relationship with Christ. And one of the things that we share with, you know, uh, the, the, the Church of Christ is the, the faith in Christ and uh, the power that comes from knowing Christ, and it doesn't make us all, you know, see unicorns and pixie right. dust. And uh, uh, but um, it is a great way to live, and it is a great uh, life to live out. And um, and so I, I I'm I'm happy that to be kind of. A, uh, at least on the sideline, a part of your journey, and right. and we uh, we look forward to going to the coffee shop. Oh yeah, and uh, we look forward to maybe hearing back from you and seeing how God uses you and works with you to to be a part and continued part of the school. And so, thanks for being a part of this podcast. Thank you very much. So uh, this is Dave Hargadon, uh, wishing you all the best uh, with another Cardinal Cast. God bless. Mm-hmm.